Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here at Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Gervais. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town <laughs> USA. No, okay. Outside today, which is fantastic, out here on the patio, and the weather's great. <clears throat> Wind's blowing, so you might hear some of that in the podcast. But along with the great music and compelling personalities at play, at play that sound like Bill Paxton and the awesome power of a tornado. <laughs> but um, we have we did some pretty serious SEO work this week because I recorded a pretty hot video <laughs> for Vine where I impersonated Bill Paxton. Uh, our guest this week is Chance Heflin. Chance works over at Revenflow, and as always, we pull our guests from Revenflow because it's easy to convince them to come over here uh, because we buy them a drink and keep them for an hour after work. So uh, Chance is an account manager, our, our only account manager at Revenflow, and um, Chance is uh, a young professional. You have a, a son, Pearson, beautiful, wonderful son, and um, Chance your son goes to school across the street, and we're in downtown Rock Hill, and uh, I think she's just a good example of a millennial-aged uh, person who's making lifestyle choices to be in a revitalizing downtown and work for an interesting business. So, so Chance, let me ask you, what, what brought you to uh, even looking at Revenflow as a, as a career option to begin with? So I was entering the workplace um, from being a stay-at-home mom for the first four years of my son's life, um, and he was starting preschool. So you know, I found it to be the best time to move into you know work, working while he was in school, and I did find his school across the street, and it, and it worked out perfectly that he was he, he goes to school across the street because um, I had the liberties to kind of pop over there and have lunch with him, or um, you know, go over and or any kind of activities they have at school, I can still be a very, very active part in his um, education, even though I'm working, which is great. Your first priority was, of course, Pearson. I mean, as you entered the workforce, you had to make sure that you were doing it in the context of taking care of Pearson first and foremost, right? So, so you started the process with, okay, well, where's Pearson going to school, and when do I have to get in there, and, you know, uh, babysitters, and this, that, and the other. I mean, that's obviously top of mind. I mean, I remember when I first met you, you said, well, my top priority, of course, is my son, and then beyond that. So, so I mean, as you, as you went out to look at options, you know, you know, to what extent did um, kind of being in a walkable environment around your son's school have, have an impact on your, your decision-making process? A huge impact. A lot of the parents of the children that go to Pearson School um, don't get to have the liberties that, that I do because I'm across the street. They still are active parts in their children's lives, but I can tell it's a huge, like for instance today, me going over there and being able to do interviews um, for new teachers right across the street, and I, I can see the front door of Revenflow from sitting in a chair to do an interview is, is so, um, I, honestly, it's one of the biggest appeals for me for, um, for his, where he's going to school and where I work. Um, you know, as he gets older, he may grow out of this school and have to go somewhere else. Right. And I'm going to have to, um, you know, address that when, it, when the time comes. But 
I've already been kind of spoiled because he's right across the street. It's yeah. so perfect because I pick him up. I can pick him up from school. I can come next door and hang out with you guys. And Pearson can be a part of that. You guys can be around Pearson. Um, he can be around, you know, my work friends, as he calls, you know, mommy's work friends. Um, so it's a so, whole life kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, so we know your your son and you know, y'all know my kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we know Stephanie, Chris's partner. When they, you know, we hang out all the time. We hang out after work and here at Millstone and... And, and so that kind of family integrated uh, experience. So, I mean, not only the proximity, I mean, the school being across the street, but the fact that Revenflow is the type of organization that you can just say, hey, I'm going to be next door for three hours. You know what I mean? I've gotten all my stuff taken care of. I'm carrying my own weight and then some. So the fact that I check out for a few hours. So, I mean, it's not only that, you know, you know, the, the, how important is it to be part of an organization that, provides the type of flexibility and kind of takes takes you at the value that you provide not kind of the arbitrary when did you clock in and when did you clock out I mean how much does that affect your life that is honestly um, probably and it is my favorite thing about Rev and Flow um, we all pull our weight we all we're all very responsible I think and I think that can only work with certain individuals I don't think that can work in in all organizations depends on um, the people, you know, taking advantage of it, really. But I feel like everybody at Revenflow, that's not an issue. We all, um, you know, put put the work in, and you know, we all take take advantage of being able to do that. But we don't, we not to um, the point of it being a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But I, that's my favorite thing about working at Revenflow. I mean, it's it was a big transition for me to go from being a stay-at-home mom to working full time. Um, but I feel like it's the best of both worlds. I really have been really lucky to be able to, um, the job that I did take is one that I can still, you know, be a very active part in my son's life um, and in his school right across the street with, with the job I have. So yeah. I'm very, very lucky for right. that. I think that um, that's a big deal to um, a lot of folks in the millennial generation. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of millennials don't have, have children, but still that flexibility and that whole life type of thing. I mean, you know, I mean, Chris, uh, you you took off Friday to go to Carowinds, right? I mean, we don't have a system where, like, okay, that's your personal day. You get two this year, and then if you do another one, you know, you're going to get your pay doc. It's like, man, did you get all your stuff done before you left? And if there's more stuff to do, you'd have come in on Saturday and done it. I mean, it's so how much does it impact you in terms of just having the ability to kind of do what you choose to do as long as you get all your work done? I mean, that's awesome. It's awesome to have, like, it's all kind of goal-oriented and task-oriented, or however you should put that. Um, and it's about, you know, get, yeah, I, I knew I needed to do something Friday. I needed to go to Carowinds. So, yeah, I just made sure that I had everything squared away before Friday, and I had the, the amount of work, the hours in that, you know, I would have needed for the whole week before I took off for Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. And he does things like, you know, we all got to eat for lunch together one day, and he and everybody's going. But Chris is like, well, I'm gonna stay back because I'm not working Friday, so I'm, I'm gonna stay and work a little extra instead of going out with everybody else. He's, I mean, that's what I mean about everybody's very responsible about, um, you know, if it, it just, I don't know, everybody's just very responsible about when they're gonna miss work that they stay and you know they get their stuff done. Everybody's everybody's completely accountable for what they are what they need to do to help the team. Well, what do you think about the? older Gen Xers and the and the younger baby boomers who uh, tend to have, and this is generalizing of course, but that's the nature of this type of discussion, who have like a frustration around thinking millennials don't aren't responsible and don't want to work. Jerks. 
Fools. Give me a second to think about that. Yeah. <clears throat> Curmudgeons. <laughs> um, <coughs> considering that I I am one. That like, you're a millennial. Right. No, right, you're not saying, an old man. Saying that them saying that that's that's how we are. Yeah. Right. Um. I mean, that's just. I, I guess I don't take much. I mean, maybe this isn't. But I don't take much to that. It's just perception and um. But then again, I guess it, it just depends. Perception. I guess it depends on um, the individual. Some people are intrinsically driven and and want to do what's best, you know, for an organization or and for themselves. And some people are extrinsically driven, and you know, they just work for the money. And they come at eight, they leave at five, and they don't work on the weekends. They don't work at night, and that's that. So I guess it just depends on. The, I mean, I don't. I think that's a. Um, a bold statement to say it's just millennials. I think that could be any anybody. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think obviously it's about the individual. I, I do think that there's trends in the millennial generation. I think that they're often misunderstood. Like, I think that, um, you know, a lot of millennials who are driven go to a job and clock in at, at 8 or 9 and clock out at 5. But what they go and do might be their, like, on-the-side photography business, that they stay up all night busting their butt trying to create and make it successful so it's not a lack of drive it's a lack of like whole life investment in their job I mean it's like if, if your job if you don't if you aren't heard at your job if you have no ability to really affect change if you can't really uh, affect the culture and and if you're supposed to just kind of keep your head down and pay your dues then people just aren't going to give their all for that I mean why would you Right. I mean, I, I personally have a theory that uh, the idea of an unmotivated human being is that doesn't exist. I think that every human being is motivated in some way. And I think that even the people who who come off as being incredibly lazy and wanting to do nothing, I mean, there's always something they're excited about, even if, they, if it's negative, even if it's like it leans toward like criminal behavior or someone becomes, you know, a junkie or whatever it is. They, they, there was some kind of social motivation. There was some, there was a drive that put them where it was. Their basic, innate human motivation and drive was misdirected because, right. and and that's the thing. A, a system where you have nothing but a bunch of Ebenezer Scrooge types being like, you know, put your nose to the grindstone. That that's that's one narrow way to look at it, and that's gonna that's gonna produce more people who have misguided motivation and drive. And the more society moves toward finding the thing that propels you and then figuring how that figuring out how that thing fits in to the overall machine of people it you know that's moving closer to that that's that's a good thing to because like I said I mean I don't care who you are if you have blood pumping through your veins you want something you know I mean it's that great the stereotype from the 90s about Kurt Cobain and, and now there's little Kurt Cobain and Knights that, that wanted nothing. They were so apathetic and they just wanted to sit on the couch and do nothing. Um, oh, hey, do you want to check out this song I wrote? I sit on the couch and do nothing. Here's this book I'm working on. Right, yeah, I mean, right, and that's right. part of that stereotype of that quote unquote, no motivation yeah. slacker thing. Yeah. So an example, kind of what you were just saying, Chris, is um, this morning when we were doing interviews um, of these teachers across the street, they, um, we had one, one woman who, who, she had just quit her job, um, and she was looking for an opportunity here, and we kind of gave her all these, we gave them, you know, real room, real classroom situations. So we asked her, um, you know, you come in with little Johnny, and you want him to work on math, and he doesn't want to work on math, he wants to work on, you know, practical life. Um, will you let him work on practical life, because 
he is just not feeling math right now. But, you know, and later in the afternoon when he's ready to work on that, he will work on that. So it, Montessori is about giving, um, giving the child independence and letting them learn at their own pace and, um, and, you know, they get to make their own choices. But they still have to get it all done, though, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They still have, they still have curriculum to meet. It's just, um, you know, it's really just a matter of, like, moving things around. You know, you, I come in the morning, I might not feel like emailing. I might feel like sitting down and, you know, I don't know, wireframing or something. Right, yeah. So I might choose to just flip-flop those things in the afternoon. I still have to get both done that day, and they do, too. It's just a matter of moving things around, um, you know, to whatever you feel like doing. And yeah, that's great. I think that um, one of the issues is, you know, when you talk about millennials in the workplace, I mean, one of the disconnects when I go and, and speak on this and talk to people about this is that, you know, you've got people that hear, okay, you need to kind of adjust to millennials and their work style and stuff. And some, some people are hearing, you mean like they're so spoiled that they can't just come to work like everybody else? And, and, and that's a disconnect. It's like, no, that's not, that's not what we're saying. We're... Millennials are actually positively affecting the entire uh, work work world in a way that's more. The new economy is about um, intelligence, creativity, innovation. You know, you can't like if 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 I'm gonna write copy for a company, I can't just do that like when it's time. Like, all right, it's three o'clock. It's copywriting time. Like, you can't you can't command creativity in the same way that you can command like okay I'm gonna buckle down and get this done and do and like respond to emails or something you know so you know work has changed in a way where we hire people to be innovative creative to add value in unexpected ways solve problems and all that stuff so you have to have iterative processes you have to have time for brainstorming you have to have time and that has to be driven by kind of an emotive type of thing you have to be kind of in the mood you have to be inspired now again knowing that you got to get it all done it's right. no excuse like oh dude I just wasn't mo I just wasn't like feeling it this week you know it's like well you still need to get it done so there's a huge disconnect when we say kind of adapt your work environment to allow success for Millennials some people are hearing okay great wow this is gonna be a cooler place and more adaptive and interesting some people are hearing like what no they're coming into our work environment. They need to damn pay their dues, do their thing, put their head down, and, and, and like they're that spoiled that we're gonna change everything. Like scared of change. Yeah, so it's interesting, you know. Well, and well, the value in it ultimately is that you, you you create an environment where you have people doing things because they're compelled and interested in doing them, and see their personal, you know, place in doing it, and so the payoff of that gamble and that investment of sort of giving people some faith is that you get better results. You get better work because nothing, no cracked whip is ever going to compare to inspiration. That's, so, that's just truth. That's true no matter what and it's especially true when you're talking about like in the old economy, I can show you how to do A, B, and C and then you can just repeat that and do it over and over again. I can't show you how to innovate. I can't show you how to like surprise me with problem solving. You know, so in our organization and in increasingly in every organization, it looks more like this. Hey man, we have a problem. I don't understand it. I'm not a developer. I'm not a designer. This is kind of what I need, but I need your help. And then you, the designer, solve the problem. You innovate, you create, you do things I can't do. Versus like, 
hey, listen, I'm better at this than you are, but I'm busy. So I'm just going to show you these repeatable steps, and you just need to repeat these steps over and over again. And you need to not whine or complain. You need to just repeat the steps. Right, yeah, and that's not what our economy is about anymore. Yeah, and it's also indicative of something we've talked about before, that we, as time goes on, we are naturally, as humans, becoming a more flat organization. We just are. Like, knowledge belongs to everyone. Access belongs to everyone. The concept of, quote-unquote, common knowledge is so much bigger than it used to be. And that means that you just we're, we get closer and closer and closer to, to everyone is capable of more and more things. Right. I mean, look at history over time. I mean, a long time ago, nobody was even literate. Now you have the vast majority of people are literate. You had that a, a while ago. Now you have, or I say vast majority of people, you know, that's within a certain subset in the context of, um, you know, the United States, or I know there's still a lot of people that aren't literate. But, but you have a giant amount of people that are, that are literate. And now you have not only people who are literate, but access to the internet. I mean, we have a client who works in a school district at the top of a school district, very tapped into her entire district. And she says there's no digital divide even in the United States because she says, you know, folks go into the McDonald's with their iPhone that they haven't even paid the bill on to access Wi-Fi and get on the internet while they're in McDonald's and that there's no digital divide. Everybody's got those devices in their pockets. So the idea that we went from, you know, a largely illiterate population, like when Thomas Jefferson wrote the, you know, formed our government, to everybody, most people can read and write, and now most people have access to almost all of the information in the world. Right, yeah. I mean, that's, that has changed. So, you know, circling back around to um, talking about you know, we're kind of at the macro level on this. To bring it back down to our specific case study, who is Chance here, you know, it's about lifestyle choice. It's about, um, you know, where you work, where you live, where your son goes to school. Your son's in a Montessori school. You're a, a, a working millennial, you know, choosing to work at an organization like Revenflow. Let's talk about living. I mean, you know, you live out in Lake Wiley. You know, why don't you live in the same place where you work and your son goes to school? Well, I would love to live in um, Rock Hill. I'd love to live here downtown where I could literally just walk him to school and walk to work. There's just nowhere. Um, downtown doesn't have anywhere to offer um, for living. Um, and, they, and there are several, you know, as Rock Hill grows, there are several places that are coming up in the next, um, you know, year or two. Um, but I don't, I don't know of any plans for downtown Rock Hill. But that, that's ultimately where I would love to be. I would love to only get in my car to go to the grocery store or to go, you know, I'd love to be able to walk him to the park right here and um, walk him to school, walk to work, and go to the grocery store or go to the movies and get my car, but that's it. Yeah, but that's just if, not an option right what now. What if there was even a grocery market in the walkable downtown? That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd do mo like I could get most of my grocery shopping done at the market here on Thursdays whenever it starts. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to park my car and not get in it except for on the weekends. That'd be great. See, that's great, man. That's so different from the... Gen X and boomer culture of living by the living and dying by the car, you know, and um, wanting to wanting to come into town and work and then drive out of town and have your little patch of heaven out, outside of town, you know, it's just such a different perspective and it's such a lesson to Rock Hill, which they're working on it diligently, getting residential downtown. But it's a lesson to downtowns all over the place. Man, residential is absolutely key. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't expect people to, to 
every day drive in and then have that whole walkable lifestyle for like eight hours and then drive out. You know, it's a it's a full time experience. You know, like Charlotte, Charlotte can't build residential um, space fast enough. Like it's, every time you turn around, there's new condos, there's new apartments, there's new all kinds of stuff. So I just wish we would. We, I mean, anywhere, anywhere downtown that that you know livable space we have a few but they don't open up very often so yeah and there and it's it's you know unfortunately you know having having something up in two years in the timeline of of economic development is fast in the timeline of a millennial who's trying to decide whether where to work and live and park and go to school that's not fast at all whether to buy a house or live in an apartment or live in a condo like yeah. those are big life decisions you make and yeah it absolutely yeah i agree another thing i wish rock hill had was a, um like a biking trail like throughout town so you don't get hit by a car awesome. yeah so if i lived down here i would love to be able to like i said i don't want to get in my car i'd love for pierce and i to be able to ride our bikes around town and not get hit by a mack truck that'd be great i mean the ability to move people around in an urban area is everything you know, if you think about it, all of your revitalization, physical infrastructure revitalization should be based on moving people around and where people congregate and how they interact. And you start with people on foot, then you do people on bike, and then you do people in uh, things like trolley or whatnot, and then you get to car. Cars last, you know. Now, we don't want to imply that having our future built on the combustion engine has any kind of downside, because it's worked <laughs> out so well. And nothing bad car. ever happens because of the whole car thing. You know, with all the things that we've invented, the technology we've invented, the technology that's just in my pocket with an iPhone, you know, I mean, the fact that we're still yeah. run, riding around on combustible engines is insane. Right. And, but it's just so economical though. Oh, it's just so yeah, affordable. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> just, uh, there's nothing but good with cars. Plus they never break. And in the rare event that they do, it costs like next to nothing. And then the people who work on your car, always nice. Always nice people. <laughs> always really friendly and, and uh, conversational. So anyway. That almost sounded sarcastic. <laughs> so, well, that whole Kurt Cobain thing. Um, okay, so Chance, we appreciate you uh, joining us today. And um, you know, it's always good to kind of hear from someone who's making choices because we talk about kind of or at least I talk a lot about travel around, talk to communities about what they can do to be successful in the new economy. The thing is, man, it's not this macro philosophic thing. It's about chance. It's about Chris. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about individuals. You know, we're not recruiting thousand person businesses. We're recruiting single individual talented people who are going to put their child in the Montessori school and live in the um, apartment and work at the you know internet marketing company it's those people that will drive our economy uh, it's the changes the millennial generation is bringing about you know that's what this is all about because you can't say the millennial generation is like a fad you talking about people 35 and younger that is the workforce and it is the future of our workforce you know the world's changing you can't go back you know so so anyway you've been a great case study so we appreciate you being here no problem thanks for having me thanks for being on the show <laughs> yeah. So we'll see you next week on Old Town New World. Bye-bye.